0: let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone, because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur, and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. Today, I welcome Robert Bell, who is a creativity expert, and we're going to be talking about why creativity isn't limited to the arts and how you can really blow the lid off your creativity. We'll also talk about how to define your comfort zone so you know how to bust through it so you can live a truly abundant life. Robert A. Bell is a transformational speaker, mentor, and ACCA qualified accountant, and he loves helping people who feel stuck in their career or their life journey and how to really break away from that norm and find the true path that reveals their true value. So he is an amazing person. I had a wonderful time talking to him. So let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Welcome, Robert, to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Me too. So um, you're a creativity expert, and you refer to this conspiracy that is running (laughs) amok about creativity. Let's talk about that. What do you mean by the conspiracy of creativity?
1: Uh, so thanks again for having me on the show. You know, this is a conspiracy of creativity. And the biggest conspiracy is as soon as someone hears the word creative, they start assessing themselves based on their artistic abilities. And so we start thinking, well, I'm not creative, so this, this doesn't apply to me. Or I think I'm semi-creative. And we start to cluster and categorize ourselves into not creative, sort of creative, and very creative. When that is totally inaccurate, and not supported by science or anything whatsoever. Every single person is creative. It's a natural functioning of our human brains. Yeah. But the big thing about it is we all have it when we are born, but it gets taken away from us. Actually, I say it gets stolen from us. Yeah, it gets stolen from us. And it's on us to take it back, to reclaim it, to just blow the lid off, like what I said in my new book so that we can take back our creativity and let our genius shine through. Yeah,
0: that, you know, I, I really do agree with that. I think we are conditioned um, from an early age. How, how have you seen, do you, have you seen research or science or like, what do you talk about when you, I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. I love that it's so bold that creativity has been stolen from us. I mean I can imagine like deconditioning and things like this but like specifically what ways
1: Well when when something is stolen from you it's taken away from you number 1 without your permission you know it's it's taken you you don't have a choice mm-hmm. it just totally gets taken away from you and we don't learn to be creative we learn to be we unlearn creativity let's say that so mm-hmm. we not to be creative let me say that so that's what I mean that is taken away from us because it's it's our natural ability we are born with it it's inherent inside of us but it's taken away from us because we are educated or socialized or schooled or disciplined out of creativity you know we, we're taught either through school through society through our families that creativity is for the weirdos it's doesn't pay a good job so everything is just set up so that you don't become creative and that's what I mean by it's stolen from us. It's taken away without our permission. So we don't have a chance to actually try it out. Um, everyone tries to become a doctor, a lawyer. And then if you don't get that out, you go to something else. But we don't get an opportunity to express our creativity.
0: Yeah, so true. I, ha- I had a conversation uh, with someone else that w- maybe you're familiar with this study. Um, They had gone through the highest IQ people in the world. They had... um tested anywhere from young children to adults. And they found that young children actually have a very, very high IQ and little by little over the years, only about 2% of those like genius level people exist as adults. But yet that's, How we all started out we all have this creative life force right we have this sense of wonder i have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and i love to see that the world through their eyes this amazing you know feeling of of wonder and imagination so how do we take it back
1: yeah you know christy that study you're talking about i believe it's uh, um the study by dr george lang and one of his associates Uh, it was a longitudinal test that they did on behalf of nasa so they tested five-year-olds um, because NASA was looking, how do we identify the people who will take us to the moon and beyond? We need, we need to identify them early so we can get them into the space program. You know, that space race between the U.S. and Russia, you know, back in those, what was it, like the 50s or so? And they tested and Five-year-old, the five-year-olds tested with a 98% creative genius. So they tested them again at 10 years old, at 15, all, t- all the way until they were 25. And the same group of students, and at twenty-five years of age, only two percent of the same group had, you know, had that Thai creative genius. So, no wonder who? Hey, maybe that's why they say only about two percent of the population are geniuses. Who? Maybe there's a correlation. I do need to dig deep into that. So that's that's the study, and it's 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 mind blowing. So that just supports that. Um, But just now going to your question. Uh, sorry, what was the question?
0: (laughs) No, that was great. I'm glad that you, you were able to fill in the gaps of that study. I think it's fascinating. And I feel like now more than ever, we need to figure out how can we reclaim our creativity? I truly feel like we're on the verge of, um, almost revolutionary, very innovative times. Um, the, I heard someone say once, too, that the amount of change that we're about to face in just the next couple of years is more change than we've experienced in the last 50 years. And I totally believe it. I could see advancements in technology, even changes in governmental systems. Like, there's a lot, a lot of change in front of us. And I feel like that creativity is is. I mean, to create is godly, right? I mean, I feel like that's the one thing that if we could reclaim it, we could claim our sovereignty. We could, you know, grow in ways we've never grown before and be able to deal with the change that's going to test our creative abilities, right? So how how do we get it back? It's been stolen. How do we get it back?
1: Well... The first thing, as much as we're getting it back, it's already inside of us. What we just need to get back is the confidence in it. Mm. So we don't need to actually get back the ability or the skills. It's, I mean, if you d- dig into the neuroscience in it, it's just so natural, but we, there's so much blockage. I, I talk about it as a creative light. This, this, The light is shining. It's always shining. There's no on and off switch when it comes to a creative light. It's just a dimmer. We dim it and we keep putting things in front of it. And and I always tell people that when it comes to the creative journey and getting back your creativity, it's not about addition, it's about subtraction. It's about removing all those blockages, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, you know, every single and most of it are usually negative things that are put in front of the light. And you just let the light shine. It comes out just so naturally, you don't have to put much effort into it. And I experienced that when I was reclaiming my own creativity. I just removed everything that was blocking the light. And the ideas just started flowing. I didn't have to force it, you know, connected with my subconscious, just being emotionally intelligent, managing my emotions and the light just started coming out. So the first thing that we have to do is recognize that the light is there. It's just like a diamond hiding in in, in the dust. We just need to dig it through. We just need to create a pathway so that the light can shine. That's, That's the first thing that we gotta do. And in order for us to do that is we need to assess Where did we lose our creativity? We need to identify at what point we lost our creativity. What point did we give it out? What point did we allow it to be stolen from us? And that's a self-discovery journey. It's like a Pandora's box. It it is um an internal journey. You have to deal with the issues, you have to be able to look in your life. It's something into the future. Creativity, we use it to look into the future, but to get it back, we got to look for our past because we have believed in our past a, a test score um by friends uh, acceptance of by society that has lessened our confidence in our creative abilities so we need to get back that confidence i call it going back to your five-year-old self where you were not afraid to let it out were you not afraid to raise your hand and get it wrong to to use divergent thinking you you know to take multiple steps right now we we won't attempt something unless we are confident of of the outcome, and when when we're our creativity, I always say that you have to detach yourself from expectations and attach yourself to inspiration. So, detach from expectation and attach to inspiration.
0: That's amazing. I, I love that. And and for those of you that are are listening, I I agree. I mean, I I believe that we do have to go back to what was that trauma or um you know, as Dr. Don Wood, who I had on here before, that emotional concussion that happened. It, it's not necessarily like a big drama. It can be just a little concussion. I can remember mine. Uh, my, my dad was in advertising. Um, lo and behold, I'm in marketing and advertising too. I didn't know that at the time when I, when I chose my career, but I remember being in his office as an eight or nine-year-old and I would watch the art director and, um, one day the art director wasn't there. And so I got out some markers and I proceeded to do what I saw the art director do, which was, you know, make a pretty picture. Right. And although the, I, I it wasn't on paper, it was on like this expensive mat or something. And I got yelled at, and you know, I'm sure that was just one of many situations, but it can be as little as that, like someone not appreciating your artistic creation. Um, And then all of a sudden you translate that into some big belief about yourself, which isn't even true. Um, And I love how you, how you're saying, like, we've got to detach from expectation. If you, I mean, that's why people have writer's block, you know, the so-called writer's block, you know, is, um you know, they're staring at a blank piece of paper, hoping to create like this masterpiece and there's all this pressure. And when sometimes just getting it started, just, just getting the process started or just priming the pump and moving more towards inspiration, like whether it's what's a book on your shelf that seems to like, you know, be calling to you, flip it open. Maybe you get some kind of inspired thought from that. I mean, um, Beautiful. Beautiful how you say that.
1: Um that, I love the way you said it also. Um emotional concussion. I like that. And what, what brought to my memory is um Dr. Brene Brown um vulnerability and she identifies we we usually um of initial interaction with you know the bad side of vulnerability is when we're young. And if I can remember right from her studies, 85% of the people who she interviewed when it came to vulnerability identified that first moment when they were in elementary school, when they tried something or, you know, just got very bad feedback. And 50% of the 85% that she interviewed related to a creative expression. So over 40% people can, their first bad experience with vulnerability was in the process of a creative expression. So you can imagine they've carried that and built on it throughout life and continued the false, you know, the negatives in your mind that have not created ETC. And even if you dig into the neuroscience of it, you know, the parts of our brain, the limbic system, um, I'll just focus on the amygdala and the hippocampus. You know, the amygdala is the emotional center and the hippocampus is the memory center. So what happens in our brains at that time is that we are, when we remember such a situation, we're not just remembering the memory of that occurrence, we are attaching, in our brains, we're attaching the emotion associated with that memory. And that's what scares us, the emotion that we felt at that point, not necessarily the memory. And so when I say we got to go back to that point, we have to go back, identify it and detach, you know, break those neural pathways of the emotion attached to it, put it into context, realize and understand, okay, the environment I was in was not necessarily helpful. You're not going to forget the memory, but you can disassociate the emotion attached to the memory so that you can regain your confidence in it and i'll tell you what shocked me and what really motivated me to write the book is i bought a new sofa set in the house and i went to work the next day um then i got a a call from my wife that okay just preparing you when you get home your daughter has you know our daughter has you know written on the couch on the sofa sorry and Yes. I, uh, I needed that. Uh, my emotional processing, I need that to prepare myself. So of course I was irritated. And the only thing I could imagine in my brain were just scribble lines, you know, things that we call nonsense, you know, nothing that's legible. And when I got home, I hadn't even looked at the sofa set, but I just asked, okay, what happened? Explain to me because we try to make sure that we, we process emotions. We talk about them. She said, listen, dad, he brought this new sofa. We didn't get a chance to sit together on it. We went to work the next day. I woke up. I was so lonely. So I just decided to draw our family sitting on the, on the sofa. So if you look at it, they're just people drawn on it. And there was just this blockage, like this ice blockage around my heart that just melted. And I was just like, I didn't shout at her. I didn't scream. I went there. I sat with her. And later on, when I was reflecting on it, I was like, wow, could I almost made her become very, or make her her vulnerability become negative experience, like tell her that creativity is not good. Because in her mind, the only thing she can comprehend is that I'm expressing myself creatively. And if I responded very badly and without emotional intelligence, I think I would have caused uh, an emotional concussion on her. So that just woke me up. I was like, (laughs)
0: wow. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good point. Okay. So let's take that situation. I mean, you didn't want to stunt her creativity. I get it. Like, it's good to be curious. Like, why did our child do that? You know, like what was going through their mind? You know, they're not thinking with the same, you know, 30 something, 40 year old, something like, you know, if you have a young kid, 20 something mind that we, we have, you know, they're thinking with their two-year-old brain or their eight-year-old brain. Okay. So I get that. But like, where does the discipline come in? Like, how, like, how did you deal with that?
1: <laughs> Good question. I, I wrote, I wrote about this in my book and everyone who contacts me said that story was just the best experience. So I used that opportunity to encourage her to continually expressing herself creatively. And I had a very, you know, mature conversation with her and I explained to her that that's great, but that's not the right place to express the creativity. Right. Writing on sofa is not appropriate. So I use that conversation to talk about where appropriate, um, appropriate. I didn't say don't, you know, I, I we really try to avoid that language. And yeah, don't ever do or this shit. again. Don't do this. Yeah. 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 Don't do that. And, and don't go there. You'll fall because you're invoking fear because you know, we we're, we're wired for love. Fear is something that we learn. We really learn fear, and I don't want to teach her fear. So I just explained to her, This is great. However, this is the context. Um, I will bring you writing materials. And I made a commitment there and then that I will always give you enough writing material, that you will never have a need to write it somewhere else. And we made that agreement. And she reminds me every single day, she says, I'm running low on supplies. I need more books. Right now, she's in painting everywhere. And we've never had an instance of her writing on the wall or anywhere else ever again. Of course, there might be one or two infringement, but it's, totally gone. And I used to. T- my friends used to tell me, yeah, writing on the walls is just a phase of children, but I refuse to accept things just as they are. I always want to probe further. Why are people doing this? It's just my creative mind. And we've, we've not had that issue. So right now, if you look in my house, we have paintings. She has her paintings stuck everywhere, her writings everywhere. She just doesn't write on the wall. I provide material for her. She, she puts it there and we move on. So that's where the discipline comes in.
0: I love it. It is. I mean, this is creative parenting, right? And the kids that are coming up right now, like they're different. I feel like they're, dare I say, even more creative.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, what just touched me is I, I came home one day and, and I, we also do money lessons with her. I mean, at this point we've done time value of money. We've done taxation. She's only five years old, but well, six now. And I I keep using every opportunity as a lesson. I don't sit down and say, today I'm going to teach her this lesson. When something happens, I teach a lesson. So it's just the reverse of what I said earlier about memory and emotion. I'm trying to teach her lessons from experiences. So she learns it. And so what I did is one day she wanted something and we went to the store and she has she has a piggy bank and she didn't have enough money. So I said, "Okay, you don't have enough today. I'm not going to top up to you or that's going to be a loan. And I don't want you to get in the habit of just buying things because you want it. You have to plan for it. So the next day, she was busy. She said, dad, I need some supplies. I bought her some supplies. I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm painting and drawing. I was like, okay, why are you doing that? It's your free time. She said, yeah, I'm painting and drawing because I'm going to sell this painting. And I think it's going to make me millions. Then I can buy what I wanted. Oh, so she even sees that creative expression can, can have value. She's like, I know someone is going to buy this painting. And I had to go take a moment for myself.
0: <laughs> what did you do?
1: Was... No, I just couldn't imagine that she could comprehend, you know, at, at, at that level, you know. And it just goes to show us the, the ability of our minds that, you know, being creative and living an abundant life is something that happens, that occurs naturally for us. We don't have to learn it it will just flourish if we provide the right environment, emotional safety, and and just, you know, crush fear. I mean, just crush fear and get out of this constant fight or flight mode. Um, You know, when your child has done something or we have done something, so like, what did you do? You know, you you instantly now to start to invoke fear and rush of cortisol all over their body. You don't want to do that. You want to provide an environment where, you know, they can feel, you know, comfortable and safe. We're good. We're turning into a parent in episode.
0: (laughs) I know. Right. Well, no, this is good too, because I I feel like by looking at maybe how we're parenting our, our children and, and, and maybe questioning it a little bit, it also helps us to see how we've been brought up and how we've had the creativity, um, stolen from us, as you put it, or, um, the the conspiracy of uh, you know oh I'm just not that creative um, you, look we're not talking about if you're artistic and if you can paint or draw or you know do pottery we're talking about the creative life force that um, you know creative problem solving you know these these are this is a this is an ability that is completely you know, tied to business success. You know, if it, we're we're going through a, a global um shift right now with the the pandemic. Um we're still not through it yet at the at the at the time of this recording. And um in business it's tested our ability to be creative and to come up with other ideas and to pivot and Create new solutions that maybe we've never you know had to even look at before. And so you know how can we um, tap into our creativity more? Are there practices that you follow each day to hone your your abilities or expand your creativity? Is there something that you can share with us that that we can that we can start doing? to help.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. And you're so right. We are going through a global pandemic and for businesses, even at an individual level, we have to be very creative if we want to use that word. And it's strange that we use the word so naturally in our conversations. um, But yet still, when we now look at creativity and our individual selves, we tend to say, I'm not creative. When we keep saying and confessing with our mouths that, you know, we have to become more creative. And I just want to, as I answer this question, I'll circle back with what you said that creativity is godly. It's absolutely godly. And I call I you see creativity, I call it the three-punch of creativity. It gives us knowledge of our purpose, clarity of our vision, and revelation of our value. You see, when we have when we embrace our creative life force, that light within within us, we are able to be certain with uncertainty. Because the only thing that's certain with uncertainty is uncertainty. And when you're creative, you are able to become certain in uncertainty because you know that you need uncertainty to become certain with your creative force. Don't ask me to repeat that. That
0: was a (laughs) touch, Mister. That was good though. I followed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the things that we can do, but I always caution when I answer this question that too oftentimes we focus on what I call the third P of the creative process, which is processes. We want to know what's the process. What can I do? when we need to take a step back and get to the point of purpose and then we look at our passion and then we look at the purpose you see it's it's all about our actions being a direct consequence of our thoughts because as i said earlier that creativity is something that happens naturally so if i if we start from the process of let me do this and then i'll become creative "Mm, sort of you know And, and i i'm very wary of such questions because we're not dealing with the issue at the core the issue at the core is that things are blocking the light and the first thing you got to do is remove the block that being said there are some things that you can do to get yourself closer to that and it's not something difficult you don't need any education per se in it there are things that naturally happen number one is getting your rest you know just really obeying your um, circadian rhythm you know making sure you sleep 10 pm be in bed, no screen time, kill the blue light. Uh, There's so much neuroscience behind it because um, when they look at, when they they do brain scans, just before you get that light bulb, that light switch, that aha moment, if you were to scan the brain like a second before that happens, um, there's a rush of blood that goes to the, um, it's called the occipital cortex. The cortex that's responsible for vision and it switches off our vision just before we get that aha moment. You know and they call it a brain blink so your brain blinks so it, you know just before you come up with that idea your brain has to disconnect with what you're seeing in reality so it can process things that have occurred during the day in your subconscious connecting the right brain with the left brain and then the idea sparks and that happens a lot during sleep so giving our time giving ourselves time to rest i don't subscribe to team hustle team no sleep you have to be grinding
0: it's, team it's, martyr it's, no, it's, team victim yeah i'm so busy no no
1: <laughs> yeah. no, no no i mean and, and this is why you hear if you have a big decision sleep on it right don't make a big decision unless you've slept on it you wake when you have a good night's sleep you wake up so refreshed you're giving your brain time to connect all the dots which is what creativity is about right number two one of my absolute favorites especially in this time where At the time of this recording, during the global pandemic, we are consuming so much content via digital means. Our screen time is up like maybe 7,000%. I mean, those are not um, research statistics. They're just, I'm just making a point. And one thing I do every single week is that I do a digital detox. People call it a digital Sabbath, where I take 24 hours, no digital devices, no screen time. Um, I did that last week and it lasted for 36 hours. And just circling back with what you said earlier, I just opened my journal. I usually just do my journaling and I sat by the window in the sun and I just opened the journal. I didn't force myself and I sat there after some deep breathing. I had to stop myself from writing. Actually, a second book came out of me and I was hmm. just like, yeah. Um just i love journaling so there's some things that i said i got this vision you know i keep telling people i got it directly from god um when i identify myself because i don't identify myself by what i do because you see what i do is just an expression of who i am so i don't like introduction where i'm an accountant a speaker i identify myself on three pillars i am a champion of creativity an ambassador of wellness and a pursuit of excellence I have no idea where that came from. I didn't sit down and say, I need to find three things. I just looked at recurring themes in my life. I journal a lot. And then one day I go back and look at the, look at the dots and try to connect them. And so it's just last week when I sat after my 36 hour, during my 36-hour digital detox um, that I realized, so I was just asking, why, why have I been using this theme? And when I look at it, champion of creativity relates with the mind. Ambassador of wellness, relates with our body, your heart and your body. I think you can see where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and pursuit of excellence relates with our soul because that's our destiny. It's, to, it's you know, excellence talks about being outstanding, being unique. To
0: transcend.
1: To transcend, precisely. And I was like, that's what I've been talking about. So I don't, just add into what you said, I don't believe in this writer's block thing. It's because we've been putting too much pressure on ourselves. We need to just, you know, detached from expectation, attached to inspiration. Those are two very big things for me. I mean, two big things, right? It's it's just getting sufficient rest. And throughout history, the geniuses have been known for taking naps during the day, you know, and that's when they come up with the great ideas. And, you know, just taking away from the screen time, giving our brains time to blink. There's so much more things that you can do, exercise, and the science behind it. There's so much science behind it in nature. And I'll give you one more get get out in nature as much as possible science is not confirming and i like using the word confirming science is now confirming that the optimal noise for the mind to be creative is uh, optimal noise level is 70 decibels 70 decibels and not just 70 decibels of any sort of noise right but it's ambient noise and not just any ambient noise like in a coffee shop they say that works but the best best ambient noise is the birds making noise, you know, a brook running, waterfall, somewhere around there. And that's why you have all these noises, you know, to help you sleep. It's not, the science is just confirming that that's when the brain is primed to be creative. That can be summed up, all those three points can be summed up. is learning to be okay, being alone with your own thoughts, just sitting still. Because even in stillness, there's progress.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Everything you said is so beautiful. And I just want to underscore, like, journaling is probably one of the simplest creative practices that we can do. And the point you made about (laughs) consuming content. I mean, what is the opposite of creativity in my book? It's consuming.
1: Consumption. Oh, yeah.
0: Consumption, yes. And so, you know, just think about the world, you know, the, the, just the, the world we've grown up in, we've been taught to consume and we've unlearned how to create. And it's this, it, it definitely has a, a, an opposite or dualistic relationship with each other. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. I actually had a guest on, um, during this pandemic, Miriam Shulman, and she said, she's an artist. Um, so, you know, we did talk a little bit about creativity in that respect, but she, she just challenged people to create before you consume. So it's okay. If you want to watch something or read something, but create, create something before you consume. And I feel like there's this global pendulum swinging right now. We've had a mass, amount of consumption. Right. And I feel like maybe that's what we're headed towards is a mass amount of creativity <laughs> and letting it out. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, a listener, someone listening right now will be like, all right, that sounds great. But how do I create, you know, yeah. you have to change habits. You have to break the habits. Um, you have to just switch off the Netflix, you know, maybe cancel that subscription for one month. And of course, at the first, it's not going to be easy. It's just like going to the gym. It's just just never easy. It's building a muscle. You just have to be very consistent. And as I said, don't think that you have to come out with something. So schedule time, schedule one hour to create. If you don't come up with anything, that is absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. But it's the discipline to stay within that hour, not to consume. And, and you know, in, in this day and age, we wake up, the first thing we do is check our Twitter feed, We check our newsfeed, you know, and that's why journaling is so important. And again, there's so much science behind it that when you physically write, I always say that the pen is mightier than the thumb, right? (laughs) And I used to write, I, I still write a lot of notes on my phone. My notes app is my best app, but there are times when I go to my good old pen and paper because there's research and science behind it that show that when we transfer that image from our minds, using our hands, moving it to muscle, it's more like a mind body connection and we see it, we start to now believe it more. We start to believe what was in our mind more and that builds our confidence even more in our creative abilities. So too often we want, you know, someone will be like, Okay, I'm gonna take ten minutes and create something. It's it's not gonna come in ten minutes. You know, it, it you have to prime your brain, you have to break the neural pathways, this this you know there's a lot of science behind it. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just reading last week that um, a, a different type of study, cause I've heard what you've, you've talked about. Um, just like if you were a student or in a business meeting, you would be, you would remember more, retain more by taking handwritten notes because you're basically yeah. distilling it down to what's the core essence I need to remember. And you're really thinking about it as opposed to typing something out word for word as someone speaks it.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's even in shorthand. Um, I noticed I read it recently also. There was a study on that. So you're better off writing shorthand notes because now it forces yourself to connect dots. So yes. you're just telling your brain, I, I need to try and remember and write the most important thing and put it now in your own words. But you see, the challenge with that is when you're in a classroom, you want to get a definition. You don't want to be sort of like a fraud. You don't want to have the wrong definition. So we're so used to writing word for word and you want to spit it back out, you know? And our brain doesn't learn through consumption. It's never meant to learn through consumption. We learn through creation and cognition. I always say that, right? That's how you learn and that's how you expand your brain. You can even look at the science behind it. We don't learn by just consuming things, we learn by creating. And and that's why they say you create neural pathways when you connect the dots, when you have that aha moment. Actually, you know, one thing we, we should talk about also is the reward of creativity. And that's one of the reasons why how we can get it back. We need to have more reward for creativity. So you need to reward yourself. Like what I said, if you stayed for that hour and you didn't create anything, reward yourself at least. You know, just give yourself a a tick, you know, a star, something and say, look, you know, to keep motivating yourself. And now the neuroscience is actually confirming again. And when you get that aha moment, it sends a signal to the reward center of the brain. Yeah. And gets you that serotonin going and you are like, I mean, have you ever had that fiery idea it it could even be crazy, but you are awake. It, it burns inside of you. You know that's the light burning inside. You're ready to bring it out. You know, and carefully if you share it with the wrong person, you might just be.
0: Well, yeah, that's the way to really create a in a, an innovative culture, right? Is to maybe you have a suggestion box or an idea box, and I remember hearing Barbara Kakorin, She's one of the hosts on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. a lot of people will know who she is um she talked about how in her company she rewards people for every idea whether they use them or not it's a dollar per idea so to your point on an individual (laughs) basis yes reward yourself for each and every idea that you have whether you decide to go down that path or not love it because
1: you're building that new pathway in your mind so you know, just, just cut yourself some slack, reward yourself and keep motivating yourself. You're going to get there.
0: I want to go back to something that you were talking about, about your identity. Um, I actually had this experience last week. I wanted to redo my LinkedIn profile and redo a headline and every idea I came up with. I just didn't like it. It just, I felt like I was putting myself in a box and I am someone who resists boxes. You tell me there's one way to do, or that's the way you've always done it. I will find a million other ways to do something, right? That's my nature. I'm like you in that way. And I landed on, um, creative catalyst. I'm a creative catalyst. And I loved that. Of of course, the alliteration, the C's and the C's. My name is Christy. I loved it.
1: (laughs) Um, Oh, yes. (laughs) So much
0: better than like digital marketer or content marketing strategist or something like that, you know, because that just that puts that puts you in a box. So I loved the the three different um, titles that you gave yourself. How important is our identity and? I mean, where did this come from? Cause I don't, I don't think I've really met anyone else that has like done that. So like I did, you know, I, I don't even know where that idea came from. I was in the shower. I got the idea. I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do on my LinkedIn headline. But like, how, is there a relationship between identity and creativity and the sense of being versus doing?
1: That's, that's an awesome question. Um, that idea you got in the shower. Um, this there's, there's this researcher, I've forgotten his name. He actually says the reason why we come up with ideas in the shower is because our brain does that brain blink at that time, you know. And then with the water running, you know, the ambient noise, it's it's so awesome, you know, it's so cool. So maybe another idea to become creative is take a shower. Well, you just, know
0: what? I actually went as far as to find a waterproof notepad that I could put in the shower so they they would stop going down the drain.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't even call the three things that I identify with titles. I call them pillars, mm. right? And they're my pillars because out of that is where I now you can now get the labels. Whether so, I can champion creativity as an accountant or whatever you know, which is one of my labels. Um, I try to avoid labels at my primary level because labels create limitations, and I fought with that. That's where it came from for me. And so, growing up, I never really had a desire to be someone and I, I wish we would get away from this where we ask our children, what do you want to be? What do you want to do when you grow up? And it, it automatically narrows down to a profession that already limits someone. You know, I keep telling people when I was in high school, I learned to use the typewriter and I'm a fluent typist today, right? There was nothing called social media marketing. So you're already setting up children for failure. Because you're setting failure in that they can't easily pivot and adjust, because you're limiting who they're aspiring to be to a profession. And as you said earlier, the changes we're about to see and that we've continued seeing, you know, is it, is 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 ridiculous. Um, there was a study I saw that 65% of the children in elementary school today are going to do a job or a role that doesn't exist today that we don't even know. I believe you know? it. So if you keep, if we keep saying that i want to be a doctor or whatever and li- it to a profession that's where it started for me so i studied accounting because when i met it it made sense i learned the uh, the system of it it i aced it you know it just made a lot of sense i know i am not good in math that's another assumption people make if you're a good accountant you're good in math but accounting is so much beyond that and it's, it's changed now um, because computers and automation has taken out the manual part of it So it's not just about keeping records and everything. It's about insights. And I think accountants are the most creative people, can be the most creative people, but there's a block. And so I struggle with that. I would be in meetings, I'd raise my hand, you know, I have a suggestion, you know, anyone else, anyone else, you know, you're passed over because I'm the accountant. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) You might just say, you know, they're thinking of my idea would be like, "Um, let's save more money, you know, because that's just how people have been programmed. And I hated it. So I kept getting passed up for opportunities in terms of ideas. And I forced myself. So what I would do after I finished my nine to five is that I would learn something out of my role, maybe networking, marketing, you know, something to that extent. So I just got tired of this label into a box that because I'm an accountant, I can't be creative. And then I had glasses and everything. I've went, I've gone to the extent of doing surgery and um, laser surgery. So I stopped wearing glasses because I really hated the restrictions I was put in uh, as an accountant. So. Yeah, I decided, okay, so who am I? And I started listening on titles and I said, no. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if anyone else has ever done it. That doesn't bother me. I've come to a point where I do what feels really good with me, the insight that I've gotten, the inspiration I've gotten, and I do my meditation, what comes to my mind. I do that because I have confidence in my purpose, in my value, in my vision. So I don't know if I've answered your question. I don't know where it comes from, You did. You did.
0: Yeah, and I feel like... I feel like in some ways, okay, this is, this is my own philosophy. And I, and I write about this in my book called the intuition led business and the identity piece, the who am I, a lot of times we mistake that it's our profession or it's some group that we belong to, or it's the status, or it's the number in our bank account, or it's the car we drive, or our possessions, or it's it's who our family is, or where we live. That's not who we are. That Those are expressions in our physical reality, but that is not who we are as a divine being. And so really, I feel like when we put our identity on the wrong things, it can actually block our intuition. It can block these ideas from coming because it doesn't fit the paradigm. So, um, and, and, go ahead. And we have a little delay people because to be we're, we're-
1: You, you wanna focus more? Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> go for it, I'll, I, I'll edit it, that's fine.
1: It, it focus more on being than doing. I think that's where it comes from. The identity, we need to focus more on being. And that's why we're human beings. We want to focus more on being than doing. And it's just like what I said earlier, our actions should be a direct consequence of our thoughts. You know, we need to really cement ourselves in our thoughts, in our beliefs, in our faith, you know, more than what we do, more than, you know, but it's it's the society we live in. We assess performance based on outward things. And I mean, that's that's how we can assess. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, belittle that because that's just the way you can assess but there's too much there's overemphasis, like what you said what you own your position your title and and that's causing a lot of anxiety especially during this global pandemic because people have lost their identity right maybe you're not working everyone is at home so you don't know what to do you're used you're so used to being told what to do you've not taken time to think for yourself Uh, and so that's why you need to you know have your right identity you know we Creativity is, it's is, is like what you said, it's, it's a life force, you know, it's, it's the thing that separates us from every single creature, every single, you know, like, that's, that's how we reflect God's image. Yeah?
0: Right. Well, and I feel like so many times we've given our power away, much like our creativity, because we search for answers in our external world. We look to the news we look to our parents we look to our friends we crowdsource advice and really we need to look within we need to connect with that true identity within you know um and connect to that higher power um not getting religious on people or anything like that like religious spiritual or whatever whatever your spiritual belief is like 98% of people believe in a higher power. Um, sometimes it's themselves as a higher power, by the way. <laughs> but I'm talking about like truly like a divine, you know, higher power. And do you believe that that's what sometimes where creative ideas come from? I, I feel like that's like, I've, if you look at a lot of the geniuses out there, they will not say that they feel like those ideas came from them. They will feel like they went out and like grabbed it out of the ether or like it it just came in their brain and they can't even they can't even realize why. So if we're not connected to that divine intelligence to that higher power, how can we expect to be creative? Am I totally off base here?
1: no i' I'm, I'm following I'm totally following you. Um, and I hold the same position. <laughs> I'm, the question I've also been trying to answer how, because that's my honest belief that my ideas don't come from me, and and when I meditate, when I pray, when I journal, I'm allowing, I, you know, everything is energy. So I'm, I'm connecting with that energy that's beyond me. I'm connecting with that energy that's in the future, but it's actually in the present and manifesting manifesting that now in my current reality. Right? It, it's 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 a vision because when you're creative, you're you're seeing something. It's a it's a projection of of something in the future. And for me, uh, my connection is with God and God is already in the future. He's there like right now. So I'm getting a snapshot of what's happening there. And then I'm just building myself to that, you know, because we move through space and time and and creativity is what's showing us what's ahead. And and I don't know how we can really be creative. I I don't want to say you can't be, you know, without, but that's my belief. Um, I don't have anything to back that up. And what I love about my creative experience is I'm not afraid to hold a position that has zero evidence. You know, once I know that connection comes from God, I have absolutely no problem. And it doesn't bother me if you don't believe me or if you're telling me I'm crazy. Even if I'm proven wrong, it, it doesn't bother me. It just doesn't bother me. I'm gonna go by that because I've learned to trust that intuition. I've learned to trust that energy. I've learned to trust that vibe. You know, I trust the process more than the outcome. And so hey and it's it's a matter of faith. So when you know, when he says, move, I move, you know, yeah. you know, when, if you, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. So you just have to connect with that. And people wouldn't say that the Genesis wouldn't say, it. but of course, I mean, if you want to get physio- philosophical, there's no new idea, <laughs> you know, right.
0: there's nothing like, new under the everything sun. Has already been
1: created. There's nothing new. There's nothing new. So it's, it's just a new way of presenting it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I always say when you take two elements and put them together in a new way i mean that's innovation that's that's alchemy you know that's so um it's just looking at something in a different way than has previously been thought of or discovered right um well good and and
1: i also believe i also believe that creativity cannot be separated from your purpose and that's why i say the first punch of creativity is knowledge of your purpose that's the that's that question is always there, especially for the younger people, you know, what's my purpose in life? I mean, for everyone, you know, but just what's my purpose in life? What's my purpose in life? Even
0: middle like, age, you ask people, that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Even middle age, you ask that, like, what's the purpose of my life? And I always ask people, if you were to be shown the purpose of your life right now, will you accept it? Right. You know, are you ready to accept it? You know, and I don't think you can accept the purpose of your life without exercising your creative abilities. You know, so people say, no, I know my purpose. I want to become the CEO, of top nut country, um, company, XYZ, make a million, $10, $10 million, whatever it is. That's not really a purpose. That's a goal. Um, you know, a purpose for me has to translate with who you are at a soul level, you know, and it has to interact with so many people, help so many people. It's it's future-looking. It's more of like a legacy. Your purpose has to really be intimate and intertwined with your legacy. That's, and you can't do that without we don't. We don't creative ability i just don't believe you can do that so that's why when you go through the creative journey you do get knowledge of your purpose and your is your outlasts you
0: well yeah i agree and you know i feel like that's sometimes why creativity and intuition it it, it speaks in whispers because and a little at a time it's like illuminating you know the next step one step at a time, because could we really comprehend it? You know, like we're we're we live in a world that loves to put labels and boxes on things and put things in categories. And that's not how the creative mind works, as you as you stated. And so, um when it's like more like a dimmer switch, you know, you you just, gradually increase the light and the purpose comes through a little more, a little more, a little more at a time. It's not so overwhelming as if you were to get it all at once, you know? Um, even the sun doesn't work that way. We have a gradual sunrise, you know, it's just, nature just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, yeah it, it's a philosophical question for sure. I feel like I'm still discovering my purpose, you know, and I don't know that we ever really get there until maybe we're at the end of our life and we're like, aha, that that was the purpose.
1: Yeah. Um, I always say that you've known your purpose since you were born and your life experience is, is just rediscovering it. That's it. Your purpose has always been known. There's so many hints, so many, you know, it's just now paying more attention to it. It's always been there. I noticed that because that's what I did. When I started looking at my identity, I looked back at all um, It was it was tough. I I would not kid you. I mean, I interviewed people, people who stopped talking to me or we parted on bad terms. I tried to reach out, like, hey, I just want really a very honest, you know, opinion. What what? I I, I went to that extent, and I think that's what we wow. need to do, you know, to discover our purpose. I went all the way back, you know, just to find, and there was a recurring theme, and that's where I got the three values. And these themes happen subconsciously without, without me, you know, effort. I actually looked back at pictures I took when I wrote notes and I would see, I, I just saw the word creativity in it, you know, and I was like, wait, I was talking about creativity 20 years ago. Like, I don't <laughs> I've even had similar that, experiences you know?
0: recently too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the, it's like sometimes when you do that work, it's like, this was so obvious. How did I miss it?
1: Yeah. So it's it's just it's just being conscious, you know, just never allowing yourself to become subconscious to your consciousness. Yeah. Just being very conscious and intentional. And that's why I keep saying you have to be very intentional with your life. You know, you have to be intentional. It doesn't mean being rigid rigid, but just being intentional. And even if you find yourself in a situation, be intentional about getting out of that situation, about learning in that situation, and sometimes about staying in that situation. At times we want to run away from bad situations or bad experiences but perhaps you're there, you know, that's just your breakthrough moment, your breakthrough point. And I noticed that throughout. When I went back, I went back and I just went back. I was like, wow, actually that bad experience. And maybe 90% of the times those bad experiences were great experiences. Okay. The outcomes were not good, but I was like, wow. You see, because I'm able to detach the emotion from the memory. So I'm able to go back into that memory, but not feel down on myself like, oh man, I'm such a loser. I I did that. I made such a dumb decision. I'm like, I did that. Ah, that was dumb. Well, anyway, that was me yesterday. I mean, if you're not embarrassed about yourself who you were one year ago, I mean, you you have some serious growing to do.
0: Good point. Yeah. I feel like we're we're a new person like every three months. Like if I haven't talked to someone in a long time, it's like, I feel like I'm just a totally different person. They probably are too, you know, it's constantly growing.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it's, it's energy. And, and that's why you, I always try to pull people along the journey with me. I'm heavy into mentorship. And it's not just about me, because we, we've learned that in life, you have to keep adding to yourself and that's how you grow. But I think we need to be multiplying more. You know, we need to get to a multiplication effect. So Me being on your podcast is a multiplication effect. I may not speak directly to whoever's listening to this podcast, but maybe something I've said will connect with you and it's just that last piece of the puzzle that you're missing, that you were just waiting for that word, that confirmation, and you've gotten it now and you're just going to explode. And I don't need to get any sort of reward for it. You know, It's just, just getting that energy out to you so that you can take that energy out and continue it and so that we can get this movement going so that we can know take back our spot as human beings because the robots are coming and, and they will never take over you know we have to hold our hold our ground and the only way we can do that is by being creative I mean AI can paint a picture as bet, as better as Leonardo da Vinci but can never tell the story behind it can never have the story behind the artist and you we are the artists of our lives we are the painters of our lives we are the musicians of our lives and only us can tell our own stories only you can tell your story and you can tell it in the ways need to be told and we just need to stop copying and and getting our identity from people and from labels and and get our value from an upward inward outward process as opposed from an outward inward because when we get our identity from outward inward whatever we see on the outside will never match what we see in the inside and then that's how we get imposter syndrome and that's how we feel worthless and have negative emotions and don't have confidence in ourselves because we're trying to change what's inside to match what's outside. When if we go through the creative journey, we can take what's inside and change what's on the outside and just create the life for us instead of being a victim of our circumstance. So even during this pandemic, we can totally shift it. I'm I'm confident in that.
0: That is so well said. And it is so deep. Like that is worth everyone rewinding just a little bit, listen to it again. That was so profound. And it's important. It's important to understand who we truly are. And like you're saying, like comparing comparing even, like, you know, a lot of times we're comparing other people's Front stages to our backstage. You know, we don't know how messy their backstage is, and uh, only we know how messy our own backstage is. It's not a fair comparison. And likewise, it's like you can't trust what you're seeing in your physical environment to inform who you really are. Um, that can only come from you and your creator, right? And it's it's finding out what that is so that you can bring it forward, bring the true expression forward into the world so this has been awesome i tell
1: people uh, just one more point there is that you know i tell people what's the biggest indicator for me for success is that i sleep so peacefully at night mm. no worries no anxiety i look around yes I, I get on instagram or something i was like okay that guy is doing well he's doing well he has a good car he's, he's got a good gig he's got a good speaking engagement i want to speak on a ted stage but at the end of it, I calm myself down, I do my meditation, I do my journaling, and I connect back with my, with my God and, and he tells me, oh, no, I got you, you know, you're on the right path. And I, and I have that confidence because I know every single day something is unfolding. So I sleep peacefully and then I wake up the next day, do my journaling, do my meditation, get up and grind, go back to sleep, just do it. I, I don't get anxious, I don't worry, I don't overspend myself, I just stay in that wusa moment.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and when you make that, that shift, it's a, it's totally an internal shift. Um, it's one of the reasons why I created this podcast is because, you know, um, there were a lot of years where I didn't sleep very well, like to your point, you know, or you spend the the day um, on the verge of a breakdown, just because you're so stressed out and you feel like, you have 20 people pulling at your arms in different directions. And, um, it really does take that, um, grounding and those spiritual practices and really going within and you can feel peace. You can feel, feel peace in the, in the eye of the storm. And you know that you are validated from above and not from those around you. You can sleep peacefully because you know that you're doing right by, you know, your, your divine creator and not, you know, you, you don't, you don't worry as much. You don't, you don't stress out as much. You don't feel the need to hustle and grind, you know, cause you, you, you feel confident on your path. You feel clear and you have clarity. so. Yeah. Thank you for all that you've shared today. How can people learn more about your book and what you do? And then um, after you tell us that, please end us with your your final thought, your final nugget of wisdom.
1: All right. So people can get me on my website, com. I'm sure it will be in the show notes. You can get me on social media. LinkedIn, I'm very active there. Robert Bell, ACCA. Um, also on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook. I, yeah, you can get me on all those. And I'm sure we'll have the links in the show notes. Um, that's where you yes, can get me. My book is available on Amazon. Everywhere books are sold. Um, well, as of the time of this recording, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> but Amazon, um, the book is called Blow the Lid Off. Reclaim Your Stolen Creativity. Increase your income and let your light shine. I would love if you can get a, um, a copy of it and leave your review, you know, honest review. I wouldn't be hurt if you don't like it. It's fine. It gives me feedback and that's just a creative process. My closing shot will be there is definitely a conspiracy in creativity. And you need to blow this conspiracy out of the water by taking back your creativity. You are born with it, you have it naturally. And just do what I do. I don't live in the real world. I just merely exist here. I live in the dream world. And that's how I sleep peacefully. Because I live in the dream world. I'm a dreamer. Mm, i in the real world. I'm just waiting for the real world to catch up with my dreams. And that gives me peace.
0: I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.